Well, a big-time article came out talking about the success of Mick Cronin over these last four years. And like we said yesterday, Max, he's been a baller. We're going to talk about it again because UCLA basketball is trending in the right direction. Let's go Bruins. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On UCLA podcast. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, diehard Bruins fan and D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Max Kelton is a UCLA broadcaster as well. So thanks for tuning into this Locked On UCLA episode. We're going to talk some hoops, football, and some volleyball today because Final Four action is just around the corner. Thanks for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So download, subscribe, and make this your first listen. And thanks for being an everyday listener. All right, Max, let's get right to it. We debated yesterday about the merits of Ben Howland versus Mick Cronin. Today, we're going to talk about the likes of who of all the coaches, some of the bigger name coaches at the bigger jobs in 2019 were hired in a Matt Norlander CBS Sports article that just dropped before we were going to record the episode, a report card grade of Mick Cronin's success. And to no surprise, Max, he has been arguably the best hire of all the jobs from that were open in 2019. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's really no surprise because of how how great this UCLA program has been as of late and how they have exceeded expectations, right? You know, a couple of years ago in his, what, second season when they made it to the Final Four with that, that eight-seeded team, this was a team that... 11 seed. Excuse me, 11 seed. Thank you, Zach. You know, this was a team that they, I don't think anybody really had high expectations for him, but that gives you an idea of what the coaching means means to a program like this. Um, so, you know, Cronin is on this list with guys like Eric Musselman from Arkansas, Nate Oates from Alabama, uh, and and he has one of the higher grades of seemingly anybody in that 2019 class, and it's a really great class as well. So, you know, just having having that recognition is really important. But again, we mentioned it yesterday that this upcoming year is going to be a staple for Mick Cronin and and his reputation at UCLA. So this list is really important this year. Next year, it might be a different list and a different story. We'll see. Yeah, between the coaches that were compared in this Norlander report card for CBS Sports, yeah, anywhere from the Alabama job, which means Nate Oates, those are you know, in terms of on-court success, he's won over se- nearly 70% of his games. And while you can debate about the on-the-court, off-the-court situation with the, you know, the Alabama players, he got a grade of a B plus because of the handling of that. Then, speaking of an interesting one, Eric Musselman from Arkansas was compared. He's got the highest grade beside Cronin. You've got Mark Pope from BYU. You have the guy who replaced Cronin at Cincinnati, and over the last few years, it's been a little bit different where Cincinnati's new head coach, John Brannon, has a grade of a C minus for his lack of success in, you know, I guess not a success, but compared to McCronin's success. Then you've got Jawan Howard, who's done all right. Fred Hoiberg hasn't been the best at Nebraska. You have Buzz Williams at Texas A&M. And then, you know, Mike Young from Virginia Tech. So these are the coaches he's trying to compare. And McCronin clearly stacking up against it as he's always said and what we've said yesterday 
Mick Cronin wasn't even of the first five names on the school's shortlist four plus years ago. We mentioned that yesterday. Norlander says the same thing. He wasn't even the guy they wanted. And now here they are, 99 and 36, with an NCAA tournament team in officially three of four seasons with COVID canceling the first year, 57 and 19 in the Pac 12, a regular season title under Mick Cronin for the first time in a decade in the regular season, and then a Final Four. And two and four seats heading to the Sweet 16. I think that's the definition of consistency and the reestablishment of the UCLA brand. I think you're spot on. And he's being compared to guys uh, like Mark Fox, you know, with Cal and, and uh, who was it? Mike Anderson with St. John's. These are guys who four years ago started in 2019 and now they don't have a job um, with the schools that they they started with. So it could go in a very different direction. And Nick Cronin has led this team back into blue blood territory where it was a little bit questionable under Steve Alford, what this team, you know, could define itself as what the identity identity of the team was. Uh, but, you know, under Mick Cronin's leadership, I think a lot of UCLA fans have, um, maybe surged a little bit of life back into this program and have that faith that, you know, this program is ready to compete at the highest level again. And that's, what's really exciting about it. You know, you saw his recruiting prowess last year. He's moved to the international waters this year, which is really exciting. The transfer portal um, has been good to the Bruins, you know, Lazar Stefanovic coming over. So I'm excited to see what Cronin can do. And again, I think that this is a, a maybe a building block year before they move to the pack, or excuse me, to the Big Ten, I should say, move out of the Pac-12. Uh, but Cronin, it seems like he has a formula that is working in Westwood, and it seems like that the alumni, an alumni base that is very hard on its coaches, really likes what they see in Cronin. Well, it's interesting. Play with this idea here, Max. What if Alfred's tenure is four years later? Not that it, it doesn't happen, but say it happens now. NIL is a big thing. And the UCLA brand is at the bottom. Is that making a good job? Because, you know, it's a public school in California. The NIL, while UCLA basketball is big, well, they've been willing as much to go out and get big recruits and pay and get these guys, you know, pay, quote unquote, in the NIL circuit and, you know, put that money out there, make the efforts. Would that been the alumni base wanting to help out or would that men of Westwood not have been as prominent as it's still growing for UCLA athletics, you know, one of the NIL collectives, but if Mick Cronin hadn't come at the time he did with the final four NIL became a thing, how much would that have hurt UCLA's brand without those tournament runs and the coaching hire right at the beginning before the pandemic, where if he doesn't come, how low is this brand? Are we spending to crawl out of the cellar? Or is UCLA destined to be sucky forever? That would have been an interesting thing if it's four years later and NAL has already become an important thing. I, I think it's a great question. And what a unique time that we're living in in this college basketball landscape as the transfer portal has initiated a new, a new landscape in its own right, but it's also right after COVID. So the eligibility requirements are a little bit different than something that we've ever seen before. You know, frankly, I don't think that this program would have had nearly as much life had Steve Alford hung on for the next four years. And you see his success that he's had at Nevada. You know, of course, he's a terrific coach, but I'm not sure if he was the right fit for this UCLA program and what they wanted to do. 
he had good recruiting tactics too. You know, guys like Zach Levine on that team, but he was playing his son over Zach Levine, who is now, you know, a star in the league, of course. So it, it was it was a different fit, not the fit that the Bruins wanted. And luckily they moved on to a guy from Cincinnati who they took a chance on him and he has really panned out. So I'm excited to see what Mick Cronin can do. We talk about how this year will be a defining year for him, but I also think that it, it, this year is, a, again, a stepping stone. I don't think that, that the leash will be shortened and then snipped, but rather they'll pay attention to what he does this year and, and hopefully he can – you know, improve on the recruits heading into the following season. It's very rare that all five of your starters leave uh, in in one season. So your, it's your a total six. rebuild. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Your top six key guys all leaving while some could come back. That's something. So as we mentioned, this year and next year, the end of the Pac-12, beginning of the Big Ten is a unique transition. That's the two-year cycle that makes a difference. Because you can be bad for a year, maybe mediocre for a year and a half, but you need some tournament success or something that – promises doing something good well we're not saying we doubt Cronin that's just the circumstances at hand for UCLA you're going into much different waters in a year from now that is completely different territory where every game is a grind you're not playing three and 29 Cal twice in a year you're not going to go and play some random team in the Pac-12 that's not going to be as good maybe Utah falls off the map maybe they get back every team is quality and you've also got to fly across the country, which is things we've talked about and everything in between. But just notice, between the coaches that are in this CBS Sports article that we're talking about, Mick Cronin tied with Eric Musselman in terms of best grades. And I, I can say Musselman's done a great job at Arkansas, but you have to say the same for UCLA, considering they got to a Final Four, a couple of Sweet 16s. They've reached the, not the height of their powers, but they've reached back to, to relevancy. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some of the bowl game schedules because that dropped. And what's the the, re, the relevance with the Rose Bowl? And do we still have that same charm moving forward with the, the New Year's Day? But I'm going to tell you about some Built Bar because if you don't want all the sugar and calories of a, the best-tasting protein bar, well, you got to go to Built because it's only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. A lot of grams. You should be going on the gram and eating some protein bars, Built.com is the website you got to go to. You can go to your local Walmart, Sam's Club, get specialty flavors. They're just dropping a new Built Bar slash Puff on Built.com just about a week and a half ago. Go get your churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. You've got to check all of that out and check it out with Built Bar. You're going to thank me later. Check out the Built Bar, baby. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Cruising on into segment two of Locked On UCLA. Zach alongside Max once again. This one might be a you know a short little segment here. A little one-two, one-two punch. But one of the things I found interesting is the other day, maybe this flew under the radar. I saw Ross Dellinger tweeted this out. He's from Sports Illustrated, writes for SI Now. About the 2024-2025 college football playoff scheduling when they expand the the playoff to the 12 teams 
when UCLA moves to the Big Ten. Of course, would that nullify the fact they need to move the Big Ten? Whatever, we'll throw that out the window. But something I found interesting is New Year's Day, we're still getting quarterfinal matchups. How the semifinals are moving into the where the national championship slot would be. And then around MLK Day is when we'll have the national championship game. But it's still fun. We get the pageantry for now of the Rose Bowl and the Rose Parade on New Year's Day. I wonder what your thoughts are, Max. That is for now. We had to delay all this because of the Rose Bowl. In the end, for the first two years, they still get what they want. I love it. I love it. You know, my birthday is on January 2nd, so the new year rolls around, and that's such a great way to ring in the new year with the Rose Bowl. It's it's a tradition, and being from Southern California, you know, right around the corner from the Rose Bowl, this is something that I grew up on, you know, and, and, and the Rose Parade, the Rose Bowl, having those two, you know, in sync adjacent to each other is it's it's un, it's unlike any any anything else really you know that we get in Southern California all year long, especially in terms of sports. It's just it's a really special time um, for the Pasadena SoCal area. So I'm I'm all for it. I love that it, it sticks where it is. I don't think it should be moving anytime soon. And I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to next year. You know, every time every time it passes, then I I look forward to the year after. So very cool, very cool that it's sticking where it is. Yeah, I missed it. I was out of town broadcasting this year. I was in Hawaii, and I couldn't see the Rose Bowl or the you know the Rose Parade. I love the Rose Parade. The Tournament of Roses is something my family's grown up on going practically every year. Missing it is generally not an option. If I'm literally available, I'll make time to go do it. And sitting you know, with family, watching the Rose Bowl, seeing the flyovers, it just doesn't seem right if it's not on New Year's Day. I know I've probably talked about earlier on this podcast and episodes months before about how the Rose Bowl needs to adapt and change with the times considering the playoff expansion. But I think for now they've found ways to with the quarterfinal matchups, the semifinals and the finals, this seems like a schedule moving forward. And I think college football, especially during that holiday time, that's probably one of the only college sports where you can have a middle of the week, Wednesday, big time football game and have it make sense as opposed to any other sport, a Wednesday, say when there's a new year's day on a Wednesday coming up, that's the only time that will truly make much sense. And it just, it just all makes sense. The words that make sense. It has to be, it's right there, Max. Cause I, I just love anything that has to do with the tournament of roses. It's, it's one of the best, it's one of the best parts of uh, being a, a SoCal native, you know, when you, when you get, you get to the new year right after holiday season and you're able to roll around over to the Rose Bowl parade, the Rose parade and see the floats and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so, it's so exciting. So, um, and also, by the way, it's a huge part of UCLA's culture, you know, whether, whether they're playing every year or not, you know, just, just hosting is really crucial. So again, I'm, I'm stoked for it. Uh, and I can't wait for next year and just glad it's staying where it is. Yeah. We'll see how they schedule it in 26 and beyond. We'll see how that all plays out. In the meantime, we're going to cruise on to segment three because UCLA Volleyball is in the final four taking on the beach. We'll tell you about that in a moment. So coming back, segment three, Zach and Max locked on UCLA. We're talking UCLA men's volleyball, KCAL 9, getting some love for John Spara, some of the Bruins players on local news if you're here in SoCal. And UCLA is looking for a title for the first time in what seems like forever in in the the hardwood for men's volleyball they take on the beach they've had some crucial battles over recent years in the national championship game most recently in the national semifinal where the beach came back and upset them in comeback fashion at their home gym 
And now here the Bruins are top overall seed, the favorite to make the final, and the favorite to win it all. Once again, lay out all the scenarios and why this matchup will be tough, Max, against Long Beach State. Well, there's four teams left, you know, four teams still alive. And frankly, they're the four best teams in the country. We've talked about it for, I don't know, a couple of months now. Who can actually win a national title? Who has the talent? Who has the skill? And who has the momentum? And I mentioned these four teams. Let's go over them one more time. UCLA is the one seed. Hawaii is the two. Uh, the the three seed Penn State plays Hawaii uh, on, uh, it's it's tonight at 4.30 Pacific. And then um, UCLA plays the four seed Long Beach uh, today at 2 p.m. Pacific. So that's the game that we're paying attention to, and this is also not really the lay that I wanted. If I, you know, if you're if you're a UCLA Bruins fan, this isn't really the team that you want to play against. I'd much rather play Grand Canyon, who the Bruins have just swept through all season long and just dominated. Now, Long Beach State is a terrific team. This is a program that, if you're not familiar with volleyball, with the men's volleyball landscape. This is a program that over the last five to ten years has absolutely crushed competition, winning national titles, uh, you know, so, on, on such a consistent basis, and if not winning, at least being there, right? So, you know, uh, until Hawaii had taken over over the last couple of years, it was all Long Beach. So this is a team that knows how to win, and head coach Alan Knipe is just a tremendous chess player on that side of the board. But he's playing the number one seed in UCLA with the the National Coach of the Year, the ABCA Coach of the Year, John Sparrow, um, and and Merrick McHenry, McHenry leading the charge for this Bruins team. McHenry is the best hitter in the country with a high volume on kills, not to mention his high efficiency. His hitting percentage is at 537-ish, which is just uh, those those numbers are astronomical, astronomical. If you're hitting at 300. You might be an all-star. If you're at 537, you are one of the best players in the entire nation. Just a tremendous athletic specimen. Not to mention the defense has been there for the Bruins. This is one and two, the best two blocking teams in the country in UCLA and Long Beach. And Andrew Rowan, who stepped in after Miles Partain left the team. Partain was the MPSF player of the year last year at Setter. Imagine the Setter being the quarterback on the floor. Say your quarterback leaves midseason, your season's over. Not the case. A true freshman in Andrew Rowan stepped in, has run this offense to a T, textbook. And the Bruins are in prime position to make a run. They need two wins, just two wins for that national championship. But they'll be playing, in my opinion, aside from the Bruins, the best two teams of the country in Long Beach and I would expect Hawaii, who, uh, who who would be able to swing past Penn State. So I think that the Bruins have as good of a shot as anybody, but these are the best four teams. They are running through the toughest competition, and it's going to be a, a really terrific couple of days of volleyball. Either way, UCLA, if they win, will be facing somebody in the national championship who they've lost to this year. Two losses, one to Penn State and one to Hawaii, although the Penn State one happened earlier in the year at Penn State, and the other loss happened at Hawaii. So these are neither true road games or true road matches for the Bruins. While they are playing on the East Coast, it would lend itself to be more favorable for Penn State for a potential fan turnout. I'm just not entirely sure what that's going to look like. In the end, they're, they're playing on a neutral site away from home. It's been a West Coast championship hosting experience the last few seasons. And the one thing we have to note here, Max, before we wrap up the show, UCLA hasn't played since April 22nd. 
Long Beach just played on May 2nd, got a win. They started slow. I believe they lost the first set to Grand Canyon and then won the next three. Don't quote me on that. But they, they started slow and won the first round. From watching Long Beach Volleyball previously, when they struggled to win a championship, they would lose after being on a long layoff. This is what happens from the end of the Big West to the end and beginning of the NCAA tournament. What happens from the end of the MPSF to the beginning of the NCAA tournament? A weird long week and a half layoff where the Bruins already had that in the middle of the season, and yet now they're taking on one of the better teams who's confident, who's watched film, and they're not as rusty. Yeah, and and by the way, Long Beach finished off its regular season with a loss to UC Irvine. That's the number five team in the country in UCI, but they didn't make the NCAA tournament. It's a really good Irvine team, don't get me wrong, but hey, the beach is beatable, and UCLA can beat this team. They have all of the pieces, and they're clicking at the right time, and I think that's one of important important things to pay attention to you know if if teams are cruising toward the end of the season this UCLA team just has everything in the right place to win a national title they just have to beat out some of the better teams in the country and better players in the country Merrick McHenry's been great Guy Dennis one of the best blockers in the country they'll have to get by Simon Torwey who is the best blocker in the country in terms of block blocks per set this is a guy who transition from the outside now to middle blocker at six foot ten six foot eleven he's just such a massive force in the middle and that's the but between between Tory and McHenry the two middles that's got to be what everybody's paying attention to I <laughs> uh, also Satori Shaponis who is a really good server and great on the outside for Long Beach he did not start in game one. Not sure if he really got some PT. He wasn't healthy. So curious to see if that changes here for the semifinal match because that would make a huge difference. If Shaponis plays, they have a good shot. If he doesn't, then UCLA should wipe the floor with this beach team and win it in three. That's my expectation. But it could go to four. Um, I and, and frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see a five-setter here, you know, because these are two really good teams. But um, I, I think I think that if Shapanis doesn't play, I think the Bruins could win in three and and move on to that final. Last year, UCLA won the first two sets. Long Beach won the the match in five, winning the next three in a row, a reverse sweep in a dramatic fifth set where they won sixteen to fourteen almost a year ago. Cinco de Mayo, May the fifth, on a Thursday a year ago. This is a chance for the Bruins to exact revenge for suffering a season-ending loss. On their home floor. The difference was Long Beach last year was the number one team in the country. This year, it's UCLA's turn to try and flip the fate and end up with a national championship as they get more local love and everything in between. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'll be on the show recapping it. Any basketball news? Beach Volleyball starts their NCAA championship hopes. Max has already talked about that. Go back a couple days ago to hear his beginning of you know, talking about the NCAA tournament for that. And we've got lots of more content coming with Locked On UCLA through May, through the summer, and everything in between. So this has been Locked On UCLA. Become an everyday listener. We'll recap volleyball tomorrow. More football, more basketball, everything in between. Max Kelton, I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, saying so long, farewell. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U-C-L-A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.